Welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I am joined, as always, on the other line by Anthony Chang, our Heat beat writer here at the Herald. Anthony, how's it going? Pretty good, David. How are you? Doing pretty good. Um, we It is Thursday afternoon. Um, the Heat, a couple hours ago, took a 2-0 lead on the Pacers. Um, they look good. Do, do you wish you pre- predicted they would sweep now? I wish I was. I think I said it last week on the podcast. Like I, I was gonna predict six, but I was like leaning toward maybe doing five. I ended up picking six and picking it to finish in six games. But now that yeah, now that I've seen the first two, I think I should have gone with five. I still think Indy will win one of these games just on an off like three point night for Miami, and Indy maybe shoots lights out and they win like an ugly you know like a hundred and two to ninety seven game or something like that. But I can't see the series going any further than five. I just can't. Yeah. I would say both the games have probably been closer than the final score indicated, but like the heat still for the most part controlled the whole way yeah. in both of them. They just, have, they just, they just, they just have another gear, you know, like they just have that extra gear that Indy just doesn't have right now because they're shorthanded. Yeah. Uh, one of the big reasons, but you know, when Miami starts making their threes, they just run away with it. Same thing with game one. Like once they started making their threes, right. It was just game over. Yeah, I mean, it was close in the first half today. I think Duncan opened 3 of 3, obviously, in the first 90 seconds, and he went up big, and then I think they went 1 for their next 8, I want to say. And that let Indy, um, you know, led for a lot of the second quarter until the Heat finally got hot. A couple, I think, like, Iguodala and Kelly hit a couple threes, and it just kind of rolled from there. And then it went into the Jimmy Butler takeover at the end of the first half that is... um, you know, I've, I've always paid attention to Jimmy Butler in the playoffs, and, you know, he's obviously got the playoff reputation. He was great last year for Philadelphia. Um, but this is, like, the first time I've probably, you know, I've watched, like, a lot of full Jimmy Butler playoff games intently, and um, yeah, the hype is kind of real there. Like, I'm really having a lot of fun watching him. Um, it's not always pretty, but just, like, the, the effort he plays with is, uh, you know, is fun to watch. Yeah, he's definitely playing more aggressively than in yeah. the regular season. Like, I, I, there's so many points in the regular season that I think both of us and like a lot of Heat fans have kind of said to themselves, "Jimmy, shoot the ball." Like, yeah. this is you're a max player, you're a five time All Star, you're supposed to be the best player on this team. Like, shoot the ball, stop passing it to, to your teammates. Um, and he's still, you know, he's not going out there and scoring 40, 45, but he's definitely. You could just tell he's taking it upon himself. You know, certainly late in the game, but even throughout the entire game to kind of be more aggressive, be more assertive offensively, whether it means going into the paint and, you know, drawing a foul or going to the paint and finding an open teammate, you know, on penetration or even shooting threes recently. Which yeah. Really that, that part of his game has been almost non-existent this season. But, all, you know, all of a sudden, I don't know if it's going to continue. Uh, what is he? I think four or five. I think he's four for five. Yeah. Two games. Like, I think, I think he had made 23 Sorry, he had made four combined four threes over the final twenty three games of the regular season. He's made four threes in the first two games of the playoffs. So yeah. maybe you know, playoff Jimmy is it does seem to be a little different than regular season Jimmy. Yeah, the defensive stuff is kind of what stands out to me. Like he is, you know, he's always been a guy. You know, like once a game gets a steal and a and a run out dunk. It feels like, but like it's. I think he's had two in both of the first two games. Um, yeah. I think he had four. Did he have four steals in game one? Maybe three, three or four in game one. He had two today. Um, you know, setting up those transition dunks, and then he's getting his hand on the ball like every time. Like even when 
he's not getting the steal. They're disrupting the flow. And, and that's kind of the thing. Indiana's, I think, done a pretty good job mucking up Miami's um, offense for, for long stretches of the series. Uh, you know, only 107 points today. Um, you know, it was a really ugly first half. I think they had eight turnovers in the first half of game one. They had 10 in the first half today. Um, so Indiana has done a good job of it, but Miami is doing just as good a job of it, I think. You know, they, they don't have the same level of, like, defensive personnel at the perimeter, but you know, they're, they're jumping passing lanes, they're getting deflections. Um, you know, they're doing all, like, kind of the off-ball stuff that is the stuff that, you know, I don't know if this is what Eric Spolster is preaching, but, you know, when you know, when you know you don't have the guys who can be, like, the great individual one-on-one defenders, which, you know, when you play a lot of Tyler Hero and Goran Dragic, you're going to miss some of that out on the perimeter. Um, but you can have those good defensive principles like the quick hands and deflections and, and you know, tracking down loose balls. And that's what the Heat, um, I think, has done really well defensively in these uh, first two games. And Jimmy's yeah, kind of spearheads that. Yeah, for sure. And, and yeah, it's definitely him and, and Bam are kind of the, they're the two leaders of the defense. But also, you know, to be fair, Indy's offense has been, for the season, even when Sabonis was, was healthy, um, they were a below average offense. Yeah. I think they were like 19th in the yep. regular season. And then without Sabonis, they're you know they're a little bit more explosive, I guess, because they play smaller. But I mean, not having Sabonis hurts. And just in general, like the way they're playing this series, it's not hard to guard. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, it's, like, it's, a, it's an NBA team, so they're hard to guard. But like the scheme, they're literally basically isoing up top, trying to find mismatches and going at that. I mean, there's not much to it. Um, so I think that's one of the reasons Indy's really struggled. Like yeah. they've shot the ball, they've shot the ball kind of well against Miami in the first two games, but just the just the the way they're playing, the the pace, um, the way they're trying to find shots, um, a lot of mid range shots, which again, as you know, is the least efficient. Yeah, uh, that's kind of T.J. Warren's bread and butter, though. Yeah, no, it is, and Brogdon, and I mean, they just have those guys, but their offense just is. Yeah, there's not much to it, so I think that's kind of helped. That's helped Miami kind of, like you said, jump the passing lanes, kind of predict where the ball is going to go, um, and it's led to some of those turnovers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the mismatch hunting, um, it kind of makes sense, like, with this Heat team. Like, uh, I think a team with just better offensive players potentially, um, you know, could make the Heat pay <laughs> for that. Um, but at the same time, like, it, it's it, – if the Heat lose the game, it's going to be because they just, you know, um, Brogdon goes off in a game or something. Like, it, it's going to be because they can't stop that guy at the point of attack. Or Oladipo going off, I guess, would be the more likely one. Um, I think if you can get the – stop that first guy, the, the Heat have the guys on the wing and down low with Bam to, um, you know, be pretty solid defensively. But if you can just pick on those guards, and like you said, Indiana just has not been able to do that um, so yeah, far. Yeah, and- one interesting thing that I just can't, I don't know if you've noticed it too, but it, it seems like Indiana's trying to find like the mismatch against Bam and Abayo. Like they're trying yeah. to ice. Like a lot of Brogdon going up against Bam. Not as much today as in game one, partially because Bam was in foul trouble, but yeah. Yeah, but like early in the game, that's how he got into foul trouble. So that is true. Point, yes. Good point. Maybe that's, they're trying to get him in foul trouble, but again, but it's not like, I mean, I get that for most teams, but Bam, like having him switch onto perimeter players, you don't really have an advantage there. So. Uh, I'm sure Indy knows that, so I'm guessing it's to get him in foul trouble, maybe to tire him out on that end, but it's just a weird strategy that I did not expect. Like, 
get the switch on Bam and ISO against him in the perimeter, clear out, you know? So right. that's been a little bit unexpected, you know, to start the series. Yeah. Um, when I, I put together an outline right before we started, and I realized, that, like, I didn't have Bam mentioned anywhere. Um, today, I, I don't know what he finished with, but at one point he had three points and was plus 18. And um, it made me think of exactly what Eric Spolster said yesterday, where he was like, People need to stop telling Bam what to do. Like he just goes with the flow and it works. Um, and he's been his minutes have been really good for the Heat. Um, he's definitely dominated this matchup with Miles Turner. Um, and actually, like the the minutes when he hasn't been out there have been the Heat. I think have won the bench minutes. Um, but like Jakar Sampson has been able to like get going when when Bam hasn't been out there. Um, but when Bam is out there, like. He makes up for a lot of the the defensive deficiencies, like we said on the perimeter, um, and just his you know his passing, his his deflections, his everything he can do um, is just like tailor made to be a good playoff player. You're right. He's kind of like the like a bigger version of Jimmy almost. Yeah. Right? Like not the mentality, but just his game. Where like you know this, you can't really judge it by the stat line. Well, it's kind of crazy that like this team. There's gonna be so much talk about the three point shooting on this team as things go on. Um, yeah. And their two best players, I think inarguably their two best players, you know, as good as Duncan has been, are the two worst shooters in the rotation, right? Like, I mean, Derek is there too, but yeah. Yeah, Derek I mean, too. Two of the three worst, I would say, shooters probably yeah. in the rotation, which is kind of crazy. It's just, you look at the roster, that just says something about the roster construction. Like, they kind of knew, obviously, they're building around two guys who you know, aren't, aren't three-point shooters, mm-hmm. um, and they just got a bunch of shooters around them. And, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, 18 of 35 on threes in a playoff game, uh, that's... Franchise that's record. Franchise, franchise record, record, and, yeah, I mean, the efficiency of, like, getting to that franchise record is also impressive. Yeah, 51% um, or whatever that is. Yeah, it's actually, I was looking it up for my takeaways, it's... Only the eighth time in NBA history a team has made 18 or more threes on 35 or fewer uh, attempts in a postseason game. Yeah. Uh, so it has not, I mean, these days it's probably more, obviously more frequent than it, than it was years ago, mm-hmm. but still pretty impressive the efficiency that they achieved that at. Yeah, as, as we're talking, uh, Houston shot 56 threes in their game today, so um, the Heat is not an outlier these days. Um, no, that's speaking of the three-point shoot, you, you know, we touched on it with Jimmy at the top here. Um, do you, how much do you buy into the shooting for him right now? Cause that clearly, you know, some of the biggest plays he has made in the playoffs have been, you know, that three, I think in the first half today with the shot clock winding down, um, you know, helped the heat kind of break the game open. And then in game one, he hit those two in the second half, um, to kind of help the heat pull away. It clearly unlocks another level. Do you think there's any stiff, like, do you buy that it's different for him that there's going to be, you know, he's not going to be a. 40% three-point shooter, but do you buy him being a guy who's um, you know, going to be a, at least a threat from out there as this playoff run goes on? Yeah, like right now he's 4-5. or five. Obviously, like you said, he's not going to shoot 80% on threes, but I just think his willingness to take the shot is important. Um, there's been so many times where, I mean, he doesn't, he's, I think, he's taken the lowest amount of threes uh, this season since his first, since the first series of his career when he really was not a He's a total non-shooter. Yeah, total non-shooter, nothing. So like, he that shot while he's taking over a hundred this year, um, he 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 really is not a threat out there. Like teams don't have to guard him. Um, but if he takes two or three a game, like in the playoffs, that that unlocks. And, and even if he like, he's a career thirty-three point three shoot uh, three-point shooter. So if he makes one of three, 
and you're taking three a game, teams have to at least respect that. Um, so I think that's the most important thing. If he could, if he continues to to be willing to take that shot, especially in big moments. I mean, the two he made in game one were, were I think the final three minutes yeah. or so. So um, I think that's the most important thing. It, it like I said, it unlocks another kind of dimension for the Heat offense, where you know you now you have a, a, another guy that you have to guard um, from out deep. So um, I, I would, you know, I don't know if this is going to continue. It's I, you know it's only been two games, but. I think there is hope that maybe this is going to be something that we have to watch for where he will now start, you know, if teams are giving it to him, take that shot. How, how, do, you, games. how do you distribute those threes? Because that's obviously part of the reason he has not shot a lot this year is like, why would he take the three at the end of the shot clock when Tyler Hero yeah. can take a step back or when Duncan can just, you know, he's such a good contested three-point shooter. Um, you know, Jimmy, like we said, two of the – the four he has made, I think we're with the shot clock winding down. Um, but the others, I don't, you know, I think one was a pull-up. I think the other two are both pull-ups, right, in, in training, like, at the, to start the offense. Um, yeah, how, how do you kind of distribute them? Because you don't want him probably taking the biggest three of the game. If you're if you're Coach Spo, put on your, your coaching hat, how are you telling him to distribute yeah. these? Is it just flow of the offense? Do you want him to see him take some early, like you said, to make the defense stay honest? Do you want him being the bailout shooter? Um that's kind of part of the challenge with it, I think. Yeah, I think it's almost like flow of the offense. You almost have to trust Jimmy because just yeah. because he's already shown you he has the discipline to not take that shot if it's right there. We know that. Um, so it's more like if you feel it, if you feel in rhythm, if you feel like it's a good shot, take it. You know? Yeah. But that's a good point you make because I, the people I've talked to around Jimmy about the three-point thing, they're like, why would he take the three when he has the best shooter in the world on his team? And a bunch of other really good yeah. shooters on his team, like that. The if you look at the percentage, like of the success rate, um, it's more likely you know a three from Duncan or a three from Tyler or a three from Jay um, are going to go in, or a three from Goron than, than a three from Jimmy. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of been the whole thing. Um, but I think now in the playoffs, like he, he like we like we were talking about, like he just understands what what take just taking two threes a game like what that could do for the yeah. offense wise, like it could help them. Um, but I think you do make a good point. I think that's part of the reason why he, he didn't take that many this season, just because he knew I have all these good shooters, so I might as well just penetrate and then kick out to them. That's a more likelihood of, you know, of it going in than me taking a pull up three up top, you know? Yeah. It gets, I mean, we've obviously talked a lot about this heat team's chemistry um, this year and it's been very evident, I think, through two games of the series that they're like, you know, that that's playing a role. And when he does hit those threes, it does, you know, it's the same way like when a Duncan three-point binge happens. Like, it definitely, like, there's debate, you know, you can debate whether momentum is real. But, like, it gets them fired up when, you know, it's not a coincidence, I don't think, that those Jimmy threes have kind of sparked big runs in this game. Um, you know, whether it's because... Um, you know, it creates that kind of momentum where everyone gets just a little bit, you know, plays a little bit harder for a couple minutes, or if it, you know, changes the way that defenses guard him. You know, there, there's probably a little bit of both to it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if he's hitting that, we've seen the runs that the Heat can go on um, that, that have, you know, have happened right when that has happened. Um, so I joked about it at the top if you want to amend your prediction to four. Uh, do you actually want to amend your predi- prediction to something right now? Uh if I amend my prediction, it's going to be to five. Five. Yeah, it's hard to ever pick a sweep. Yeah. I, I, you know, Indy's a, they're a well-coached, disciplined team. Um, 
So I, I, I still think they win one. I'm, I'll amend my prediction, but to five. Okay. How about yeah. That? The, the, lack, the lack of Sabonis definitely hurts them. Um, I mean, it's obvious he was their best player this yeah. year. Um, Oladipo's looked like he looked better to me today than he did in that short appearance in game one. Um, but yeah, they just don't, they don't have the bodies to throw at the heat. No. And even, you know, even the top end guys, like obviously I, I still think, you know, Blake Trilla Depot healthy, you can make an argument. He's the best player in this series, but mm-hmm. since he's not a hundred percent, I really do think that he have the two best players in the, in the series. Like, yeah. They have the best guys. And then they're also the deeper team. Like, yeah. Indy's like, like Ken, would Kendrick Nunn be like a starter for Indy and he's like not even playing? He'd certainly probably be a bench. I mean, definitely one of their bench guys yeah. like playing. You know, like I mean, with 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 Jeremy Lamb and Sabonis. I mean, Jeremy Lamb. People forget. Yeah. He was you know, not to get too deep into Pacers talk, but he was <laughs> playing a big role. He was having one of the best seasons of his career. I think he was starting while Oladipo was hurt. Um, and then he tears his ACL and he's out. And now Sabonis, which is their All Star, is out. Um, those are two big losses. So, yeah. you know, you have guys that probably shouldn't be playing now playing off the bench in the playoffs. So, yeah, yeah Indy's, it's it's tough. Like, you know, they, they played well in the seeding games, but I think right now you're seeing, like, they just don't have enough to compete. Well, the, the Heat, whether it's a combination of T.J. Warren just was super hot for two weeks um, or it's something the Heat defense is doing, they've they've brought T.J. Warren back down to earth. Like, he's still, you know, he's still a good player. Um, he still, you know, will get his 18, 20, 22 points a game, but he's not – the guy that he was in the first half of the seeding games where he was a threat to go for 40 any night. And that's kind of what Indy needed um, to, I think, make this a series. Yeah, he, I mean, that was never sustainable. I wonder was he shooting like 60% on threes. Yeah, I like think in the seeding games he was 52% on threes. So, like, after that 50-point game, he was probably, like, at 60. Yeah, and, and I think that he'd have done a good job of of – kind of crowding him and making him see extra bodies like he said it like every time i get the ball there's like three guys right now you know three, yeah. i'm looking at three different heap defenders um and also like they're making him score off the dribble which i think he's more comfortable um like catch and shoot in rhythm type of player yeah so they, they've made it difficult on him he's still like you said he's still a solid player yeah he was, um, he was so good in game one yeah he was good in game one today seven of 15 like not terrible you know just you know good yeah but but yeah, Indy's definitely missing right now that you know either a healthy Victor Oladipo or you know a healthy and available Sabonis. Like they yeah. don't have that that they don't have that All Star caliber talent on their roster right now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mentioned Kendrick Nunn earlier. That's been, I would say, like the biggest like news story of this series. Um, obviously, he's a finalist for Rookie of the Year. He started. Did he start every game he played in the regular season. I think he, he, did. Yeah, um, he did. And now he has not played in the first two playoff games. Um, how surprised are you by that? Um, I'm a little surprised. It's not a total surprise, but I was a little bit surprised he didn't play. I thought he might still be like a ninth or tenth man. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, Spolster, I mean, he's turned into a nine-man rotation, which I, I thought he was going to go with 10, especially, like, in the first round of the playoffs. I thought he would go with 10. Um, and I still don't know how sustainable, like, these minutes are for these guys. Like, I think Goran played, like, 35 minutes in game one. Today he played 32. 
Jimmy's playing like over 35 minutes a game. Like if they're gonna make a deep playoff run, they're, they're gonna kind of they're gonna need probably an extra guy to go in there and play like seven eight minutes just to get those minutes down a little. I think especially for Goran, like he can't be playing over 30 minutes every night, especially when he's playing every other day. You know, um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see that at some point just to give Goran a little bit of a, of a break. Um, but uh, you know, Kendrick was playing so. He was, he was not good in the season. Yeah, no. And then he was obviously missed the last couple, like, so he's, you know, had to work yeah. his way back in. Yeah, he was late to, he was late to Disney because, of, you know, he, yeah. he, he was diagnosed with COVID. Uh, and then he had to leave for the personal issue to leave the bubble, and he missed mm-hmm. the final two or three games, missed two or three games because of that, you know, yep. during seed play. Um, and then when, when he did play, he just wasn't, he didn't look like himself. He wasn't in rhythm. He wasn't efficient. Um, and if Kendrick isn't scoring or making shots, I mean, that's kind of what you have him out there for. Yeah. You know, you don't have him out there for his defense. You don't have him out there for his playmaking. Like, he's a shot maker. And if he's not hitting them, then then he, he shouldn't be on the court. Yeah. You know? So I, 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 there's an argument to be made. Like, you know, I've had some people tell me, well, why don't they just have, you know, let him sh- let him shoot his way out of it? And that that argument could be made, but it's the playoffs. Like, you don't have time for a guy to, you know, to go 2 of 12 from the field you know, in a game, that's the issue. Like, you, you don't have time. It's not the regular season where you can yeah. let Kendrick do that. Um, but, I, again, I, I think it's more likely that we see Kendrick at some point than Myers. I'll say that. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, unless, like, Kelly goes ice cold, um, which, you know, doesn't seem to be the case. And Kelly, I think, brings, you know, kind of the same way Goron brings more to the table than Kendrick. Um, I think Kelly does that uh, in comparison to Myers. I think also, you know, we talked about it last week. I think we we made we kind of talked about what would the starting lineup look like, and the question was, would none stay, or would Goron come in, or I guess Goron finished there, so to, or would Goron stay? Um, I don't think any of us expected necessarily this from none, but I, I mean, the fact that the starting lineup is working so well has to play into it too. It's like, where does Kendrick fit? And then the fact you mentioned Goron playing a lot of minutes. Um, after he was limited in the regular season, and Goran being so good in these first two games. I mean, it's, it's like a culmination of factors with uh, Kendrick, it seems like. Um, but guys like Kendrick, like you said, you know, those are the types of guys that swing a playoff game. Maybe they don't swing a playoff series, but, um, you know, like those scorers who can come in, you know, like the Lou Williams type, I, obviously in, in L.A. and previously in, in Toronto, um, you know, even like Mario Chalmers to a degree. The guys who are, you know, your fourth, fifth best scorer who comes in off the bench and, and hits a couple of big shots. Like, if this team makes a run, you know, if they get to the game seven against Milwaukee, we're gonna, I, I have a feeling we're going to see Kendrick at some point. Um, maybe because he's needed, maybe because, you know, Goran tweaks his ankle or is in foul trouble one game, or, or just because... Um, you know, they, they need to make a run at some point and you might as well give Kendrick a shot and, and try to let him cook off the bench. Yeah, and, and maybe this extra practice time is good for him too to get into rhythm. Like, you give him an extra week of just practice and getting workouts in, like, maybe this is going to be good for him and we'll see a different Kendrick in a week. You know, like you said, when the second round, if they face Milwaukee, um, maybe he gets, you know, get, finds a role in that series. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't think it's like, okay, now Kendrick, we'll never see Kendrick again. Yeah. Like I, I really, I would be surprised if he doesn't play at some point during this run. Like, I think it won't be a huge role, but I think there will be a role for him at some point. Just because, again, I can't, I just can't see them playing Goron for this, like, these minutes consistently. Like, they're going to have to find a way to trim a few minutes off his, uh, like, off his workload just because it's just too much. 
Yeah. Um, you need to have them. You need to keep them healthy. You need to keep them fresh. Uh, you know, if you if you want to make a deep uh, postseason run. But that said, Goran has been to me. Yeah, uh, you. I guess it's either between his play or Jimmy's. Like you know, clearly elevated play has been kind of the story of this series so far. Um, Jimmy, we touched on at the top. You know, lots of obvious. You know, you can just tell he's locked into a different degree right now. But Goran being, you know, really kind of the second play. You know, in the in the regular season, you would pretty much say it was like. Bam and Jimmy, those were the two guys. But Goron has been, um, I think, clearly like elevated to the third guy of that um, go-to trio so far in the postseason. And maybe Duncan ends up being that guy. Um, you know, he obviously was, was terrible in Game One, so the sample size is still small. But but Goron looks like he's going to be the guy that, um, you know, they're. Uh, they, I don't think they obviously have not run a lineup so far without. Without any of Jimmy Bam and Goron, I don't know if they're going to be able to do those no Jimmy no Bam lineups. Like if they play Milwaukee, but right now those are passable because of how good Goron has been. He's really stepped up. I think as the third guy. Yeah, and you see late in games like the Heat are turning to Jimmy and Goron to create offense. Yep. Like it's not you know Bam. Obviously, you're going to give him the ball up you know in the high post and he can create off of there. But just as far as like okay. This situation, we need you to generate offense. Here you go. Here's the ball. It's Jimmy and Goron. Um, Goron is kind of like right now. He's basically the number two option on offense. Yeah. Especially the, you know down the stretch of games, um, and he's playing really well. Like you know he's he's 34. Like it's not young, <laughs> but he looks he looks fresh. He looks he's obviously very effective. Uh, he's very efficient. I think he's shooting 48 percent from the field, 46 percent from three uh, through these first two playoff games. Uh, he looks good, and he's been super important because he gives you that extra guy along with Jimmy who can create, you know, for himself and for others off the dribble. Yeah. For as good of an, of an offensive team as, as, you know, the Heat is, um, there aren't too many guys that can create for themselves and others off the dribble. It's Jimmy, it's Goron, I guess it's Tyler Hero, right? Yeah, Kendrick, but Kendrick, obviously he's not playing. Yeah. And he's not really a creator for others, but he creates his own shot. Right. Right, but but Goran fills that role, um, and he has been he's been on the floor uh, in crunch time in both games, and I would expect that to continue, you know, as long as he's healthy. Yeah, I mean he's hitting his open shots, he's getting to the rim, and his mid range game has been like impeccable. Just the way he, you know, he's just he's a guy who's really hard to guard when he's locked in. If you don't have that guy who can stop him kind of with that first step and the Pacers have not been able to like keep him from beating his guy on the perimeter. And obviously part of that is the heat's ball movement gets him in a lot of situations where, um, you know, maybe someone's recovering or or sort of off balance, but if he can get going downhill, um, he is really good at finding his way to the rim and finishing in traffic. And he is really good. If that doesn't work at, you know, stopping and popping or, or shooting a floater, um, and then he's got, like you said, he's got the three-point shot going. Like he, it, he, him and Duncan are kind of the two guys you trust right, most, most right now to take a three in a big spot. I would say on this team, I guess yeah, Tyler yeah. also, but you know, Goran is the way he's shot has been in that in that category with those two guys. Yeah, for sure, and he he can score at all three levels. That's what yeah. makes him so effective. Like he plays at his own pace. He's he's for, you know to your point, he's ten of seventeen, in you know in the paint 
uh, in the first two games of the series. And for a, for a guard, uh, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's been efficient from three. He's been efficient in the paint. Um, he's made some mid-range shots. Uh, he has it going right now. And yeah. yeah, he could be a defensive liability, but it's almost like, you know, same thing as Tyler and to a certain extent Duncan where, yeah, they're not great individual defenders, but they're they're pretty good team defenders. So as long as you have other good individual defenders out there like Jimmy and Bam and Andre, um, you know, or or Jay, um, like you, you, you're able to, to kind of to get by with, with, with going out there. And that's what they've been able to do. Like that closing lineup of Jimmy, Bam, Goran, Tyler, and Andre, you have three really good defenders on there, and then two guys who could shoot and score. Yeah. Um, so it's a pretty good combination. Yeah. That's what Goran, I think it was today after the game, was basically saying they just kind of, that whole lineup, they got just pieces that complement each other where you've got, you know, two lockdown, defender, two lockdown perimeter defenders and Jimmy and Andre, two knockdown shooters in Goran, and Tyler, two creators in... Um, Jimmy and Goron, and then Bam is like the linchpin of it all. They just like they kind of all cover up each other's weaknesses. Um, Andre's been another guy on a, on a smaller scale that has been not a revelation, I wouldn't say, but like you know he was good obviously in the seeding games, and I think he was one of the bigger revelations from the seeding games. But he has been you know just he, I don't know what his like plus minus or anything is, but the minutes where he has been out there. He's one of those guys that, that I think has really tormented T.J. Warren in this series so far. His, yeah. his his hands are so quick. Yeah, no, for sure. And 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 you can tell just Spo trusts him. Like yeah. he's playing huge minutes. Um, yeah. It's you know, it could be Jay. Like there's going to be some games where Jay will be out there instead of Andre, or Duncan might be out there instead of Tyler late in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact that you're seeing Andre out there to close out both these games, it says a lot. You yeah. know, he's he's gonna. I know people were quick to say, okay, this is the Jay Crowder trade, and Jay Crowder has been great. Um, but they really made, they made the trade for Andre. Like, they think he's gonna make a difference late in games in these pressure situations. Like, his, his IQ uh, on the defense, especially on the defensive end, um, it's huge. Like, you have three guys that would switch, like Andre, Bam, and Jimmy out there. Um, that's a really good trio. They're, and if you really kind of, a lot of them made about the closing lineup. I wrote a story about it yesterday. But if you kind of focus in on those three guys, they've been they've been even better. Like just them three together right. when they out there. Um, so I think that's a group that that works. And that, I mean, the shooting isn't great with them three, but just the the way you know their their playmaking ability, their defensive ability. Uh, if you put two two basically two shooters around them, like that's a good lineup. So I, I think that's something that that we've kind of learned from these first two games. Yeah. I think there was a uh, kind of a thought process when this bubble and the restart plan were all announced that maybe the young teams would be benefited, you know, young legs. You're playing a lot of games in a short amount of days. Um, you know, those guys potentially would, you know, not be as affected by a long layoff. But it's kind of with the heat, it's the two guys who seem most energized, like you said, Goran, 34, and it would all, what is he, 36? Like, those two guys have looked... You know, Goran, obviously, part of it, he's coming off an injury. Um, so just the further he gets away from that, it seems like the more comfortable he is. Um, but Iguodala, clearly, you know, we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, just looks energized um, and has been a difference maker, like a, a for real difference maker. It's When he first came over in the trade, it was easy to say kind of like a waste, right? It was easy to look at it and be like, this guy was supposed to be their defensive stopper. Um, and he's just not that anymore, but 
He has looked, you know, he's not in Andre Iguodala of five years ago when he was guarding LeBron in the finals and winning finals MVP, but he's still probably, you know, because you don't, you're not going to usually put Jimmy on the best perimeter guy. Like he still is probably like your number one perimeter defender right now. Yeah, no doubt. Um, he, he, like, this is what they got him for. Yeah. And, and there's something to say, like, again, I, I talked to somebody about Jimmy and they said, it's just different in the playoffs, especially when you're a veteran, when you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like, you can kind of focus in more and kind of, you know, you don't have to pace yourself as much. I think there's something to be said about that. Like, yeah. you know, with Goran and Andre, like, okay, they're in the playoffs. They see, they see kind of, okay, this is what we've been working for. You know, the season is almost over. Like, let's go. This is this is why we're here. Yeah. You know, it's not the regular season game 42 where you know you have two or three months left and you still have a playoff run. Like, this is it. So I think you're seeing that from the veterans right now. Like, it's just a different gear. Um, and that's something players learn as they, you know, they go on in their careers. But I think that that does kind of uh, relate to kind of what you're seeing, what you're seeing from Andre right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you touched on the closing line that they've been using. It's kind of crazy that Duncan today has... 24 points on eight shots, right? And doesn't play a single second in the fourth quarter, I think. Like, that, I know it's, you know, part of it's because they were nursing a big lead. Um, but, like, that's kind of, like, that just a speaks to the way that this Heat team has kind of figured out everyone's role right now in a way that um, I think it's, it's kind of shocking for a team that has so many new pieces on it, you know, and a lot of guys without playoff experience. Bo's done a good job. Yeah, he has. He deserves a lot of credit because, like I said, this is this is a relatively new team, and he's found combinations that work, and he's gone away from things that have worked, like before the season was suspended. I mean, it's I know right now it's you know easy to kind of okay forget about it, but that starting lineup with with Kendrick and Myers in there was like the fifth best lineup in the yeah. entire day. <laughs> and they just totally ditched it. Yeah, he's like, and, and not even that they're this ditch it. Like, it's like they they're not playing off the bench. Two of those guys in that lineup are even. They're not even in the rotation yeah. right now. Um, it's just that I don't know if that's like getting enough attention, just because you know you, you focus on guys who play. But he has really like made some tough decisions and some decisions that you're like, wow, like, you know, that's not neat. like the easy decision would be okay. So let's stick with what works. He's really trying to think out of the box and try to kind of leverage the strengths of this team and. The strengths of this team is the versatility, the guys who are kind of interchangeable, um, that you can play in certain situations. Like this is a kind of, this is a fun roster, not just because of the brand of basketball they play, but there's a lot of guys with different skill sets that you can kind of match together and you know throw out interesting lineups out there. And you're seeing that like they're they're really using their versa their versatility, their depth um, to their advantage. Uh, so far. Yeah, they're, they're one of those teams that, like, you know, we are obviously get caught up in, like, we know all the guys. We know, like, what they all do, and, you know, we know who's on the roster. But, you know, come playoff time, I mean, I'm, like, just watching other teams. I, like, watch a team and be like, oh, yeah, I kind of like Danwell House or whatever. Like, there'll be, like, random guys who are like, I kind of forgot, like, that I like him. Um, and that, that the Heat are kind of that team, I think, for a lot of people where, like, every time you watch someone different kind of stands out. Like, you're like, oh, Jay Crowder, I kind of like him. Or, like, I forgot they have Andre Iguodala. Like, I've always liked the way he plays in the play. Like, they have a lot of guys who are just like, and that's obviously what's made them so good all year long. Um, but, yeah, they've got a lot of guys and a lot of pieces that, um, you know, they're they're definitely one of the deepest teams here. Just 
they're one of the deepest teams left. Like that point blank, that period, that's it. Like I, I don't know if there are a lot of teams that I would prefer their twelfth man than to. I guess the Heat is like Myers Leonard, basically. Like yeah. there's not a lot of teams with that kind of luxury. Yeah, and and even though they're going nine deep, like it's nine good, yeah, nine quality players. Like, yeah, like I was just watching the Rockets, who don't have Russ, and they're just like eight deep. That's it, not doing anything else. Um, like the Heat could easily go ten deep. They can go eleven deep. Yeah, you know, and play Myers if they wanted to. Uh, yeah, it's it's that's the strength of this team. Obviously, um, the rotation the rotations get tighter as the playoffs go on. Um, but you still see that depth and that versatility mm-hmm. um, coming in handy. Yeah. And it will come in handy later on, too. Like you said, like we talked about, Kendrick is going to play at some point, I yeah. think. And he's going to have one of those games where you're like, oh, why isn't Kendrick playing? You know? Um, mm-hmm. Like, that depth is going to come is going to come in, into use at some point here. Yeah. Um, we've been very positive. Do you have any, like, kind of negative takeaways from so far from the uh, series so far? Like, is, is there... Quite frankly, I, I don't think there's any chance they lose this series. So, like, it's weird to talk about it in like short term. But like, are there things you've watched from this series that make you think that uh, they're screwed if they play Milwaukee in the next round? I don't know if it makes me think they're screwed, but I, I do think that the Pacers' strategy of just finding mismatches on the perimeter, like that's what teams are going to do against the Heat. Yeah, and the Pacers are doing it with Malcolm Brogdon, which is a very good player. But if you're playing a team with a you know one of the elite isolation players yeah uh, then it's a different story um i i think that you know if slash when the heat get eliminated at some point um it'll be because of their defense and it'll be because they get exposed you know with their on the ball defense yeah. like that's always that's been the issue for them all all season yeah. um and, and that's gonna be that's what the teams are gonna try to do when when they game plan against the heat they're gonna try to expose it they're gonna try to put Dunk on an island. They're going to try to put Gore on an island. They're going to try to put Tyler Hero on an island. Um, and that's the challenge for the Heat. Like, how do they how do they solve that? Because that's the one thing that I think teams are going to, you know, you see it already. Like, they're going to, it's obvious they're going to take advantage. So, mm-hmm. how the Heat bat that, they've been able to do it so far in the first two games. But again, you know, they're not facing a Giannis, or they're not facing yeah. a Chris Hampton, or they're not facing a Jalen, you know, a Jason Tatum. Yeah. Totally well, it's interesting you mentioned Giannis, and that's kind of been the reason the Heat have matched up well with Milwaukee all year is because Bam guards Giannis, and they don't really have a guard who is like that great isolate. Like even as you know, Chris Middleton's an All Star, but he's not like an ISO scorer. Like if that series happens, you know, Milwaukee will still be a pretty big favorite no matter what, probably. Um, but like the way that Milwaukee could just bury Miami is like if Eric Bledsoe finally shows up for a, a big postseason series because he's the kind of guy that, um, you know, theoretically Goran and, and Tyler are going to have trouble staying in front of. For sure, it's always been that guard, whether yeah. it's John Moran or Dame or you know, name any elite you know perimeter player. Like that's who the Heat have trouble with. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think Milwaukee. Like we've talked about they're, they the Heat match up well, relatively speaking, to the Bucks. Like they can make threes. Uh, they have a guy who can defend Giannis. Um, they're deep. Uh, yeah, I mean, those are all things you need to beat Milwaukee. So I think they match up well. But I'll just like that's the one thing that's kind of caught my eye. Not that I didn't know before, but just how much teams are really going to try to expose the Heat's uh, some of the Heat's uh, you know defenders. Uh, and I think that's the challenge. Like that's Miami's challenge. Like how do they how do they overcome that? Um, 
and it's going to get harder and harder as the playoffs go on. So I think we were probably both in agreement. I don't know if you made an official prediction anywhere, but we were both probably in agreement that we thought the Heat would beat the Pacers and then lose to the Bucks in the second round. Do you – I mean, I would guess that's probably still your predict, prediction right now, but, like, do you feel better or worse about the Heat's chances to make the Western Conference – or the Eastern Conference Finals, sorry, um, than you did – three days ago or do you not feel or do you feel pretty much the same i don't think they can make the western conference final I'll say that. that would be impressive <laughs> but the i i still think they lose to the bucks just because the bucks have the best player on the court but yeah. I, I don't think it's i think it's gonna be a really good series like i think that would yeah, I, like seven um and if i'm predicting it to go to seven like i i technically can't be surprised if the heat win right mm-hmm. um so i i i'll say that like i'll go as far as saying i I won't. I wouldn't be surprised if the Heat beat the Bucks, but I will. I, I'm not going to go as far as predicting it. Yeah. Um, and I do feel. I think I do feel a little bit better. I mean, I have to about the Heat chances because they won the first two and Milwaukee lost the first one to yeah. Orlando. I'm sure, and check that score right now. There, that game's going on as we're talking. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that Milwaukee's going to win by like 50 tonight. Yeah. Losing game one, but but just yeah, they're up by 18 with four minutes left in the second. So I think we can chuck that up as a as a W for Giannis and Co. Yeah, not surprising, but I—I I mean, I—you have to feel a little better if you're a Heat fan, just because the Heat have looked good in their series, and Milwaukee looked really bad in Game One. So, mm-hmm. um, and and the longer that Milwaukee Orlando series, you know, goes on, like the better it is for Miami. If Miami can get done in five, and they finish it before Milwaukee does, like who would have expected that? Yeah, just <laughs> the rest. I don't think anybody thought that. So. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're the Heat, you root for Orlando to take at least one more game and push it to six. Yeah, I think the biggest uh, question for the Heat long-term in this playoff run is going to be, I think it really, a lot of it comes down to Goron, and can he sustain the level we've seen for the first two games here? Can he be the third best guy on the court? Can he play, you know, at a, he's really playing at like an all-star level right now, which is obviously, you know, he's been an all-star in the past, so it's not unprecedented, but... You know, once we get these every other game or every other day, there's a game. Can he keep this up into the second round and deeper into the playoffs? Because if he can be the third guy, um, you know, you need you need multiple like bucket getters in the playoffs. And you know, Bam is great, but he's not a bucket getter yet. Um, if Goron can do that, then I think this team is you know matches up pretty well with anyone in the East. I mean, that's. The story all year was that the Bucks are, are far and away the best team in the East, and everyone else is keeping up. Um, but the, you know they obviously have not been inspiring so far. Maybe they're looking great right now, um, up by twenty points. Um, but I, I think if if Goran can play at this level, then they it, it takes them to another level because it gives them a third guy in a way that they did not have a true third guy all year long. Definitely no. If Gore, I mean if Goran plays like this and he's the, a true number three for the Heat offensively. And you don't have like that. What basically what the Heat have been using all season, where it's like just a different guy every night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have Goran like scoring eighteen to twenty a game on a you know on an efficient shoot, you know efficient shooting. Um, it's huge. Yeah. Um, and especially in the playoffs, when you, you know you you guys know everybody's tendencies, teams know t- schemes, teams know guys' tendencies. Like it just comes down to you know how good players are just beating their man, being the man in front of them, and that's. Something that Jimmy can do, that's something that Bam can do, and I mean Goran has proved it these first two games and over his whole career. Like yeah. if you give him the ball up top, like he's gonna he's gonna generate good offense. Yeah. Um, and you know the Heat have three of those guys, and then 
you also have some guys who can do it in certain nights. Like Duncan tonight got hot. Right. It's like the diff- like you said. There's a different third guy every yeah. night in the regular season. Now it's a different fourth guy. Right. And it that might be Tyler. It might be Jay. It might be Andre. I mean, it might be Kelly. Um, but that's again. I think that has to be the Heat's formula. Like make threes, obviously. Um, don't turn the ball over, and you know, have, you know, rely on Jimmy and Goron late in games because those are the two guys who are, are you know going to put the ball in their hands. Uh, down the stretch of, mm-hmm. of these big games. Cool. I think we can wrap things up there uh, unless you got anything else. No, I think that's it. I think we covered a lot of it. And probably next time we come on, watch the Heat. Indiana win three in a row. And, yeah. you know, we're facing, uh, we're, we're, we look like idiots because the Heat here facing elimination in game six. Yeah. <laughs> that, would be, that would be something. I'd be pretty surprised if that happens. Um, but I, I guess the odds are next time we talk, We'll be maybe looking at previewing a second round series because uh, this could be over as early as Monday. At lo- you know, could be over Wednesday. I guess what game six would be Friday, so that would be the one situation where maybe we talked to you guys before that this thing is over. Um, but it's looking good for the Heat. I've, I've been really impressed with them. They've been really fun to watch. Um, kind of a shame they're stuck in the middle of the day when not a lot of people are probably watching these games. Um, especially because some of these night games, well, I, I'm excited to see this Lakers yeah. game tonight, but like Shaq said, Shaq said that this series should be on Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> they were, they were, they, they, yeah, they were pretty mean. Well, I mean, that's the thing is like the heat might, you know, they're going to, if they win every game by like 12, like they're doing right now, like then, yeah, I guess who needs to watch this, but, um, yeah. but the, the heat are fun to watch. I think, I don't know. Yeah, if the, I don't know if the Pacers are fun to watch right now. The Heat, are, they play a fun brand of basketball. I mean, we've watched them all year. Yeah. They're, they're a fun team. They play a pretty style. Um, and Heat, Heat Bucks would get some primetime billing, I think. I think. I mean, all the all the semifinal series are going to be good, yeah. likely. But like, that's going to be one people are pumped about. I think. Definitely like a six p.m. I can see like six p.m., six thirty p.m. starts or something like that. Yeah. But to your point of the Heat being in a good spot, you know that's obvious. But they're fourteen and zero in playoff series all time that they've taken a 2-0 lead in. So, and they're going back home. And they were they still home for advantage. They won both games in Indy, and now they're going back home. So. Yeah. We're so, not going back to Indiana. <laughs> exactly. <not. laughs> one suit, one time, right? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's wrap things up there. You can follow Anthony on Twitter, at Anthony underscore Chang. He's got all your heat coverage these days. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, at DBWilson2. I'm also helping out with heat. Every time there's game. So just go to MiamiHerald.com. There's a lot of sports happening. Too much. Like we've got every one of our major teams except the Panthers and I guess Miami University of Miami basketball. Everything else is, is happening. It's it's like sports over. It makes Inter sense. Miami comes back this weekend, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, playing an empty an empty an empty stadium, right? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a ho- the first home game in that franchise history. Wow. Yeah. It's a shame. That's the, it's, it's crazy that after all that, like the first home game is going to be an empty, an empty stadium. Mm-hmm. But it's just, yeah, it's good that sports is back. I mean, it, it's, it's, it makes up for those four months of just nothing. I'm just in the abyss of watching reruns and all these classic games. Like, it's good to see. To has, watch it, has it taken you some time to get, like, back into the rhythm of watching sports? I, I honestly, yes and no. Like, I'm, I'm watching a lot of NBA basketball just because I'm home more. You yeah. know, like, I'm working, from, I'm covering the team from home, so I'm, like, always in front of a TV. Right. Um, rather than traveling or flying or being at the arena until 1 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Like, all the games are staggered, so I can kind of watch most games. 
So I think I'm watching more, at least basketball-wise, more basketball. And I'm watching some Marlins, too. Like, whenever, again, these are 1 o'clock games. Yeah. It's done at 3.30. Like, by 7, I'm done, and I can watch other other games. So just because of the weirdness of the schedule, I think it's actually uh, led to me watching more sports. Yeah. I'm in the spot where sometimes I'll, like, get to 1 p.m. and, like, forget there's games going on. And then once I'm in, I'm in for most of the day. But, like, um you know, because all these games typically start at 1 or one thirty. Sometimes I'll be sitting there at, like, 2.30 and then, like, finally check Twitter for the first time in half an hour and, like, realize there's, like, been, like, we're in the, at halftime of some NBA game. Or I'll put the hockey, because hockey's usually starting, like, an hour earlier, so I'll, like, have that on and forget that the NBA has started. So, I'm still getting in the rhythm, but I, it's, you know, good problem to have. Definitely a good problem. All right, uh... Let's finish there. Um, Thanks, as always, for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.